I can only imagine what it will be like when I walk by your side. I can only imagine what my eyes will see when your face is before me. I can only imagine. To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak it all, I can only imagine, I can only imagine, I can only imagine when that day Have you ever really spent the time to imagine that day? Have you really thought about that moment when we close our eyes for the last time and are open our eyes up in eternity and we're standing in the presence of Jesus? What are you going to do? Huh. It's, cr it's fun to imagine that. I, I just can't. I can't imagine it, actually. <laughs> I mean, to have that experience, and, and here's the beautiful thing about it. It's a promise. It's a hope. It's an assurance. It's not something that we're just going to um, guess at. We, we can have the assurance that when we pass from this life, that we will truly be in the presence of the Lord. Amen. It's a good thing. Well, this morning, I want to speak about resisting and standing firm in the battle that we're in. A few weeks ago, we spoke in detail on the subtle terms of sin, the subtleness of sin, and how it works to come into our lives in the little things. The, de the devil doesn't come normally head-on with the big sin. He normally kind of works us a little bit. He kind of plays us in a game a little bit. He kind of... Uh, tantalizes us a little bit with some little things that 
just are so enticing to us and seem so insignificant and so safe in themselves. And it becomes very dangerous in the subtleness of sin. And we spent quite a bit of time talking about how he did that and how he comes to us. It's important to know that as much as God loves you, because God does love you, he loves me, as much as he loves us, that the adversary or, the, or Satan or the devil hates us as much. And we have a tendency maybe not to see it that way because he's very subtle in even that aspect because he will come to us as a friend. He will come to us as an option. And he will bring us many apparently good things, but in the end, we do know that his strategy is not to be our friend. His strategy is to destroy us because his fate is sealed. When Jesus died on the cross that day, when he said, it is finished, Jesus then made a little trip. And he left the cross, and he went down into the bowels of the earth where Satan is the ruler. And he went down, and he took something from Satan that mankind gave to him a thousand years or so before that, and that was the keys of life. And Jesus went down, and he said, Satan, those are mine now. I paid the price. I died for all those sins, and now I have earned that, those keys back, and now you give them to me because you don't have the right to hold on to them any longer. And so Jesus went down, and he took back the keys that were given to Satan, and he's holding on to them today, and he's offering them to us if we would just reach out and receive them. It's called by accepting his sacrifice. It's called about accepting him to be our Savior and then making him our Lord. And because of that, Satan really is angry. And I'm not giving Satan any glory by talking to Satan or talking about Satan. But what I'm doing is making it known that we have an adversary and it's important that we know his strategies and it's important that we understand that he is still alive even though his fate is sealed. He's still roaming the earth trying to destroy as many people as he can because he wants to take people with him. He wants to take people to hell. We have to talk about hell. As much as we imagine heaven, here's the other side of that. Imagine you wake up and you're in hell. Imagine you're, you're the first, you open up your eyes and all you smell is sulfur and you feel the heat and you feel the stench or you smell the stench and you feel, you know that you have missed it forever. Guys, I know it's not easy to talk about and I know it's not a popular topic, but you know, we must talk about hell if we're going to talk about heaven. We must understand that that's just as real as heaven. And for all those that are going to wake up in the, in, the, in the courtrooms of heaven, there's going to be that many more that are going to wake up in hell because they followed the deceiver. And it's important that we realize that. We have a choice. Today is the choice. And we need to recognize this and live in it in such a way that I know now I want my eternity to be in heaven. And I want to have that relationship with the Lord today so that I know then. See, in reality, if I can't get excited about Jesus today, 
then how can I really be, be excited about Jesus in heaven? That should be kind of a marker in our heart. If we don't really understand and, can, and if we can't get excited about being in the presence of the Lord today, why do you think, logically speaking, why do you think you will be enjoying the presence of Jesus in heaven? That should be an indicator that maybe my heart isn't really in the right spot. I'm just offering you a suggestion as a way to examine your own heart. Because if this seems foreign, if this seems boring, if this seems totally, I'm just not connecting with this at all, there's work to be done. Doesn't that make sense? Yeah. Remember, the devil is defeated. Remember that his fate is already sealed. He is trying to get at God, but he cannot. God is the creator. Satan is the created. He's one of us. He's one of the created beings. And here is his strategy. Because he can't defeat God, what he's going to do is attack those that God loves so much. Imagine that and I know this is a vivid and a hard thing to imagine, but someone breaks into your home and your wife and kids are there and they bind you. And you're strong enough in your own right not to give in. And you're not going to give them what they want as the dad because you, you, you're going to handle it. You can take it. You can take the, 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 the whatever torture they give you. But you know what's going to happen? What they would do is they would go to your they'd go to your wife, or they would go to your child. And could you imagine being bound up and then watching someone go there with your spouse or your child? How much that would hurt? That's kind of what's happening right now in heaven. That's kind of what's happening right now uh, in the courtroom of heaven. Is that Satan is coming after us? And understand that hurts God. That's why he hates sin so much. That's why he has such a detestable uh, uh, taste in his mouth, and that's why he's so adamant that he wants us to reach out to him, and if we will reach out to him, he will rescue us from the tempter. It's up to us. We need to reach out. Since, he, since Satan can't overthrow God, he's coming after us, just so we know. And I'm just, I'm just basically saying that not to depress anybody, or not to go uh, uh, down a, a road of, of discouragement, but I'm telling you that because we need to know who our adversary is, and I'm going to talk to you this morning about how we resist him and how we stand against him. Our text is 1 Peter chapter 5, beginning at verse 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Verse 9, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Let's take a minute and pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we ask you to enlighten our hearts now. Give us the revelation knowledge that you want us to have so that we then can be effective combating the enemy of this world. So just give us your, your insights. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to focus on verse 9. It says, resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same things. Now, first of all, it brings me comfort to know that I'm not the only one going through the stuff. 
<laughs> you know, it's just nice to know that all people that call themselves Christians are undergoing the same level of persecutions. And it gives me that reason, it gives me that confidence to know that because I'm not alone. It's nice not to be alone. The devil will try to make this a personal attack on you and he will try to make you feel like you're the only one that's going through something like this because if he can separate you, he will have a better chance of eating you. But if you run back to the herd mentality, if you go back and run with the other wildebeest and, and, and the lion now gets confused because you're running in the, in the pack. A, a lion, if you ever watch a lion, they will always try to separate the weak or the injured or the old from the, the herd and then they will attack and devour. Well, that's the same thing the devil does. That's why church is important. That's why having a body of believers is important. That's why having a, an accountability partner is important. That's why having people around you that believe in the same things we believe is important because we need the confidence, we need the help, we need the protection of other people. So it's good to know that we're not the only one going through this. In fact, the whole theme of 1 Peter has been suffering uh, for Christ. The whole book, I mean, remember, this was written to the scattered believers throughout all of, of Asia Minor at the time, and there was a lot of persecution going on to the early Christians, and Peter was writing five chapters. In fact, Peter's not the only one that talked about this. If you read Scripture, the, most of Scripture talks about how do we deal with the enemy when it comes to suffering. Because even though we would like to think, we would like to make theology, our theology, to say that once I'm saved, all my suffering is over, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to think that? But that's not reality. Because we're in warfare. And when you become an, a, a child of God, you, you, you sign up to be a part of the army of God. An army is warfare. And so we have to recognize that we're in that, but we're going to win. We're not there to lose, we're there to win. So we just need to know how. How do we win? So that's what we're talking about today. Peter says, resist the devil by standing firm in the faith. Resist the devil by standing firm in the faith. Well, what does it mean, first of all, to resist the devil? How do we resist him? What is this faith we are to have? And what is, what is it all about? What is faith in what? Faith in Allah? Faith in Mormonism? Faith in a religion? Faith in myself? No, we need to understand what, our, what is our faith based on so that we then can stand firm and we can resist him. So the, uh, my hope today is to give some answers and encouragement in how we, how we battle this unseen enemy. The book of James talks to us about resisting some more. James chapter 4, verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It sounds so easy, doesn't it? Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Well, I think we all know that the devil does not run from a fight. The devil is not afraid of me. And he's not going to run from me simply because I resist him. So we have to, there's more to the equation here. The devil will flee from only anyone like the rest of us, we only flee from those that are in authority over us. If you don't have authority over me, then you risk no danger to me. So I, in my own right, have no authority over Satan. So he's not afraid of me, and he's not afraid of you, just because we think we're something that we're maybe not. 
So what, how do we resist him? What do we have in faith in? The key word here in James chapter 4, verse 7 is submit. Submit yourselves then to God. Then resist the devil and he will flee. Well, what's, uh, what's, that, all about? what's that about? What is, re- what is submitting about? Maybe, maybe we've been focusing too much on the resisting more than the submitting. And if I learn now how to submit and what am I submitting to, it will help me in my resisting. If I find myself focusing on the resisting and, and not the submitting, I'm got, I've got the equation backwards. All right, a commentary says this. It says on this particular topic. It says, for those that make a serious attempt at taking a stand against the enemy's accusations and temptations in their own power and determination, they may for a time experience what they feel is successful. But in the end, they are often left with a sense of frustration, discouragement, and defeat as they finally yield to Satan's relentless pressure to give in. This is exactly what the enemy wants one to feel. It's a what's-the-use mentality. I tried and I couldn't succeed, so so I might as well stop trying. If we can beat ourselves up over that because I've tried it and failed, tried it and failed, tried it and failed, well, let me just suggest maybe we're trying to do something on our own power. And maybe we, should, maybe we should back up a little bit and look at, are we submitting ourselves to Christ? Are we getting ourselves in the right foundation first? Am I fully submitted to God? So let's talk about that. We need to see that God's word or the counsel of his word says that we are to uh, have proper order in our life. We are to put principle upon principle, precept upon precept. And if I get ahead of the game in any way, then I'm putting myself out. I'm taking myself out from the conditional aspect of what God wants to do for me. So I must get my heart right with the Lord and focus in on him and recognize that he's my strength, he's my identity, and then let him do some work on my behalf. What does it mean to submit? Maybe our priority needs to be put more on submitting than resisting. So let's talk about submission for a minute. What does it mean to submit? Well, some synonyms for submitting means that we are to yield to. We're to surrender, we're to bow down, we're to give up, we're to succumb. The the antonym or the opposite of submitting is to stand against or to rise up against, to fight against. I guess the question needs to be asked of myself. If I'm struggling in some areas, am I truly submitting my heart to Christ? Am I coming under his mission? Am I really in submission to his mission? Submission is an interesting word because it's, you can break it into two words, sub meaning under and mission meaning, meaning a goal or purpose. So if I'm in submission, I'm coming under the mission of another person or I'm coming under the mission of the other purpose or that bigger goal. So when I'm in submission to Christ, what I'm really saying is that I'm, I am putting my, my aspect of life or my priorities in submission to his priorities, and I'm now coming under his plan. It's a good question. Am I submitting? Are you submitting to Christ? What is your relationship with Christ? Now, I know, what, I know we've heard it all. We know what it's supposed to be. But the question is, are we there? The reality is, according to James, that before one can truly resist the enemy, that we must first submit our lives to God. 
and then we resist, and then when we resist, he will flee because he knows that my identity is not in myself or in anything that he has authority over. My identity is in Christ, and therefore the devil must surrender. He must submit as well. But why is it? Why do we have a problem with this? Why is resisting the devil prior to submitting God a problem that we have? Can anybody be honest with me here to say that maybe, maybe I'm not fully submitting? Maybe I'm resisting the Lord. Maybe, maybe I'm becoming my own problem. Well, why is that? Why do we do that? Well, many times I think that we can overcome, we think we can overcome the enemy on our own terms. That we don't need to go to that level of extreme. That we can figure it out our own way. Maybe I have a secret area in my life that I'm protecting. Maybe I have a secret sin. Maybe I have something in my life and I don't really want other people to know about it. So I'm going to say I can fix it myself and I can keep it just between a private matter between me and the Lord and I'm just going to fix it myself. And then no one ever will ever know I had a problem. Maybe I'm not really confident that I can overcome the problem. Therefore, I don't want to make it known to people that I have a problem because then I'm going to have to be accountable to people that I have a problem and I'm not able to overcome the problem. So it's, we just spin ourselves in a circle of denial to say, I don't really have a problem because um, I don't want people to know I have a problem because then I've got to change and I've got to do something. And, and here's, a, here's a really silly things about people. Is sometimes we just get comfortable in our own misery. Sometimes I get comfortable dealing with my misery because I know how to deal with that. I'm, I'm, I've gotten used to feeling pain. I've gotten used to being in a situation where I just can't quite conquer it. I've gotten used to feeling that, that cycle of, of guilt and, 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 and forgiveness, guilt and forgiveness, and I just got used to it, and I don't really believe I can be set free. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that you can be set free. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be set free. You don't have to stay in that, that cycle of the battle. We can, set, we can be set free. The devil loves it when he sees people trying to do it on your own. He loves it because he knows that he's got you like a fish on a, a, fish on a, on a, on a hook and he's just playing you all the way to the boat because if you're doing it on your own, I'm just telling you it's not going to work because the Bible says it's not going to work. I'm not telling you because I'm telling you. I'm just the messenger of God's word. So he says, submit. Submit then unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So let's talk about it. What does it mean? Number, number one, to, to begin this area of submission, number one, recognize that any unconfessed sin in your life must be brought out and must be repented over. And you must ask God to forgive you and then make an intentional effort to stay rid of that sin, not fall back in that lifestyle, not fall back in that comfortable zone where you've been. And this is going to require an honest evaluation of your heart before the Lord. The psalmist says in verse 139, verse 23, he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. There's nothing wrong with asking the Lord to test you. Because if I'm just going on my own level of testing, when I'm honest with myself, I will give myself a break. I will give myself an out. I will give myself a buy. I will say, oh, I'm good enough. But you know, there's really great wisdom by going to God's word and doing as the psalmist says and asking the Lord to search me. 
Search me, God. Know my heart. See if there's anything in me that you don't like, anything in me that, that you want me to deal with. That's the first part of submitting is to being honest with myself, seeing that, that subtleness of sin. You know, when I used, I used to work, when I was um, going to college, I had some summer jobs, and one of them was at Big Rock. And uh, I would go in at the nuclear power plant, and I would go into the containment area, and uh, we were doing piping and all other kind of stuff in there. So when you went into containment, you put a badge on. They call it a dosimeter badge. And what that badge would do, that, that would, it would record the levels of radiation that you're picking up. Because it's not that you pick up that one big dose of radiation and you only can uh, have so much before it starts to do some pretty serious damage. So you would wear the dosimeter badge, and then whenever you'd come out, you'd, you'd read it in front of a scanner, and it would tell you how much radiation you picked up on that particular um, mission. Well, you know what? That's kind of what sin is. Sin comes into little doses. It's the little doses that are the ones that are the most damaging because they kind of slide by the system. If I didn't wear that badge on a regular basis and if I, was to get, if I was getting more radiation than I should, I'm only hurting myself by doing that. By not wearing that badge, I'm, only, I'm not cheating them, I'm cheating me. So the same thing with the levels of sin. If I'm allowing the little levels of sin, the little secret sins to, to pile up, they just get bigger and bigger and bigger, and soon they grow into something that I, it, it grabs me and entraps me, and all of a sudden I'm in a big problem. And so what we're trying to do is recognize the subtleness of the sin and recognize that I must confess it. And the reality is if I confess on a regular basis, on a daily basis, it's the best way to do it. It's the best way to live, to say, Lord, I, just search me today. What did I do yesterday? What did I do last night? Where's my heart today? Am I, in, am I doing right? Am I okay? Am I in relationship? Good questions to have. And then we need to be intentional to protect that relationship. So once I have that relationship and once I'm assured of that, now step number two, I need to pray and prepare for God's help and his guidance in living a life of victory. How do I do this? Well, Ephesians, the Paul, Paul, the writer of Ephesians, tells us in chapter 6. This is a very common passage of Scripture. You've all read this. If you've been in the Bible, you have read this passage at some point in time. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Verse 14, Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. There's a lot of words there. And, you know, I'm not so sure we fully understand how to put on the armor of God. If I was going into a Roman battle, I would put on pieces of armor physically. I would put on a helmet, a breastplate. I would, I would put a... a, a a belt around that would hold everything together that I could put my sword in. I would pick up a shield and I would physically go into battle with things that would be used to protect me. 
But what does it truly mean to prepare ourselves by putting on the armor of God? Well, the belt of truth. The belt of truth means that we live in truth. That we live in understanding and applying what's true of God's word. That we see our lives based on the truth that God's word brings to us, not on a, our version of it or not on a twisted angle of it, but no, we base our life living on and looking for and seeking out truth so we don't get bogged down with the deception and the distractions that the enemy would bring. So the belt of truth means I live in truth. The breastplate of righteousness. This is something that goes across my chest. This breastplate, it's a, it's a, a leather or a metal breastplate that uh, protects my chest. What's in my chest that's so important? My heart. Really, the heart is the seat of a man's identity. It's really not your head. It's really your heart. When the Bible talks about your heart, it's really talking about that is the center, that is the, that's the seat of who you are. And so by putting a breastplate of righteousness over my heart, what that says is I want to protect my heart from anything that's unrighteous. I want to look for the things in life that are the good things in life, the things that truth would re reveal to me as the right things to do. So I'm putting a breastplate or a protection over my heart that I don't allow my heart to think about and dwell on the things that would bring evil into my life. So I'm putting a breastplate, I'm putting a protector, a protector over my heart. And I'm intentionally walking in a holy and righteous lifestyle. It's my intent. Feet fitted with the gospel of peace. Now that's kind of a strange one, that you're, you're, you're shotting your feet with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. First of all, recognize what the gospel is about. What is the gospel? The gospel is defined as the good news. The good news is that I'm a victor. The good news is that Jesus died on the cross for me and I have my sins forgiven. That's the good news. So I am to put on the shoes of the peace that comes with recognizing the good news. So that when I walk, when I walk in my life, I'm walking in peace, knowing that my heart is forgiven, knowing that I'm on a right road, knowing that I'm living a righteous life because I've, I've got my breastplate of righteousness on, I've got the belt of truth on, my feet are walking in, an, in a level of peace because I have the gospel. I know the good news and I'm applying it and I'm sharing it with other people. That's what it means to put on the, the shoes of peace of the gospel. The shield of faith, the shield of faith with which we can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, faith is an interesting thing because faith is that I am putting my belief in something that I can't see. I'm putting my faith into something that I can't smell, I can't touch, I can't taste it, but I'm believing in it and I'm trusting in it. And this is how we now can get through life when we have the big problems come that I don't know the answer to. I don't know how I'm supposed to react in that particular situation. I don't know how I'm supposed to deal with that knowledge that the doctor just told me that I have cancer or that I've lost my job or that I'm moving into a new area and I don't know where to live, I don't know where to go. Well, I pick up the shield of faith because the devil will bring arrows of doubt, arrows of uh, the Lord's going to fail you. He will bring all kinds of fears that will just penetrate you and that's why you pick up the shield of faith to say, you know what? 
I don't know the answers, but it's not important that I know the answers because I have the shield of faith protecting me because I'm putting my faith in God who is bigger than everything around me, bigger than the circumstances, and I trust him and know that he has my better life in store. That's what he's got the bigger picture. He understands that. I put on the helmet of salvation. This is a key one when it comes to our temptations. Men especially, we are visual. Whatever goes into our eyes goes into our brain. And you know what? We are so tempted with the things of this world. It can be money. It can be riches. It can be sex. It can be any other thing that would just entice us away. And by putting on that helmet of salvation, what I'm doing is I'm guarding my thoughts. I'm taking captive those thoughts that come to me that I, would, I could dwell on them, I could daydream about that, I could get distracted by that, I could have a fantasy world in my mind. And no, but I put on the helmet of salvation, I'm saying, Lord, I know that I need to p- keep my mind before you. This is, these are steps how we prepare to submit. And then we pick up the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, which is, that's the only offensive weapon we have here. Everything else is defensive. The sword of the Spirit is I'm reading the Bible and now I take what I learn and I use it against the enemy. I use it to declare my holiness. I I do it to declare my position in Christ. And all of these are very necessary pieces of battle, armor, and I must put them on before I get to the battle. It's like me getting in my car and driving down the road without my seatbelt on thinking that, well, when I'll put my seatbelt on when I'm getting in the accident. That I can get my seatbelt on before I hit that car. Well, you know that's not going to work. If you don't put your seatbelt on before you start driving the car, and if you have an accident, you don't have time to put your seatbelt on. Well, this is what it is about, being, about submitting to the Lord. We don't start submitting when the problems come. We start submitting as we're preparing our life. I've got to put on the armor so that I can go into the battle. I don't put it on in the middle of the battle. I put it on before. So that's the second thing we do. We have to prepare ourselves intentionally to submit. Number three, we put ourselves in the right frame of mind to be successful attack before, against the attacks before they come. Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And then skip down to verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. It's hard to imagine that the Word tells us to rejoice in the problems. Rejoice. But he says it two times. Rejoice, rejoice. As we take our eyes off of our burdens and start rejoicing in the Lord, we are, beginning the, we are beginning the walk of submission. We are looking at our trust to be in the Lord's faithfulness and not in our own ability. So therefore, I can release the, exi- and the, ex- the anxieties and the burdens knowing that He will take care of them. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace... Man, I love peace. God's peace is the opposite of human anxiety. God's peace is the opposite. As I engage in submission and surrender to God, when I look to him and I say, I'm trusting you, I'm submitting my life into your hands, even in the midst of the problem, I'm now allowing his peace 
to come into my heart when I don't even understand how it can come in. That's real faith, where I am just trusting the Lord. I don't know how you're going to take care of my kids. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. But you know, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I'm submitting to you, and I am just trusting. And then in the word says that the peace of God, which transcends or is above all understanding, will come into our hearts and will guard our hearts. Even if I don't understand it, knowing that God holds the bigger picture gives me great peace. Knowing that he is my source. And then I can look at Romans 8.28 and really believe it and really know it because, he, and he, because Romans 8.28 is a great verse. And we know that in all things, not just some things, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. These are the people that have submitted themselves to Christ. This is your verse. If you've submitted your heart to Christ, and if you are working on a daily basis to intentionally keep your heart protected, keep the armor of God on your life, if that is your lifestyle, then this is your verse. Because then you can, call, you can go back on this and say, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. I love him, he works for my good. Amen. Do you want victory over your life? Do you want victory over the enemy that would come and steal your peace? Then the answer is, is to submit. The answer is to submit first to Christ and then resist. Don't start resisting until you've submitted. Don't start thinking, I'm going to do this on my own until you first submit your heart to Christ. And when you do that, then he is picking up your battle. Jackie, would you come? The Holy Spirit is our change agent. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Of your mind. Then he will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good and pleasing and perfect will. Prepare your heart, prepare your mind to think about good things. Go back to Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about such things. Get your mind in a mindset of thinking about the good things that God has for us. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. You want peace? Think about good things. You want peace? Submit your heart to Christ. And then I love Psalm, 1, so Psalm 37. Three and four, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. Take the time to praise the Lord. Take the time to worship the Lord. Take the time to appreciate his goodness. Take the time to know that he is on your side and that he is battling with you and for you against the enemy. And when I can take that stand, when I can submit to him, truly give my heart over to him, and then begin to delight myself in the Lord, now he changes my heart to accept his desires. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful exchange. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we've gone over a lot of things today. But Lord, it really comes down to a very simple act of submission. Lord, that I would truly just look at my life, examine my life, 
and then recognize who you are in the midst of all of this, that you are my Father, you are my Creator, you are my God, you are my, you are my heavenly strength, you are my identity, and I would practice and put into practice by giving over to you the things that are bothering me, the things that are inhibiting me, that I would submit to you and that I would trust you. This morning, if, you're, if you would like help in submitting, it's not easy to do it if you don't know how to do it. So this morning, if you need help in that area, can we pray with you this morning? With your eyes are closed, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to this because I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that I'm going to do it on my own. We just talked about how we can't do things on our own. We want to help. We want to be a part. We want to pray with you. morning, if you would like us to help you, and if you need help in this area, while all eyes are closed, would you just lift your hand to the Lord and say, Lord, I need help. I see that hand. I see those hands. I need help in this area of submission. I truly, truly want to give my life over to you. I truly see the need for this. And Lord, I just need your help. In Jesus' name. Father, we just come now and we just lift up those this morning that are honest in themselves and recognize that we are a needy people. Even though we have assurance, there are some, some things that come into our lives that we need help with. A strong man will say, I need help. And Lord, I thank you for that. And I pray, Father, that for all of here, us here this morning, that, that we're on the right track. And I, I believe that we are. I believe that many of us are truly on the road truly walking with you and truly appreciating and enjoying the goodness of you. And help us, Lord, to keep our minds focused on you this morning. We just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.